Good morning. Welcome to BCF Church. How many of you have seen that movie, Disney's Encanto? How many of you have listened to the song, We Don't Talk About Bruno, about 50 million times? I know how many of you have small children. So my name is Bo. I've got three young children, and for months, we listen to this song every day on the way to school. My kids are like, let's listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno. And you know, I didn't mind the first 20 times or so, because it really is a catchy song. It's all about this family talking about how they don't talk about Theo Bruno, and yet they spend the entire song talking about him. And isn't that our culture? You know, there are some things we just don't talk about, except we talk about them. And, and you don't talk about that at family gatherings. You just talk about how everyone else is talking about it. And you definitely don't talk about these topics in church. Topics like money or politics ooh, or sex. And you're like, whoa, whoa, Pastor, whoa, what are you doing? We don't talk about Bruno. I want to read to you what the Bible says in Romans 12. And I love the way the message paraphrases it. The Bible says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. See, the Bible speaks to our everyday walking around life. Religion is not just this thing we pull out of a box for Sunday mornings and, and okay, yes, I love God and hit Bible, and then we put it back in the box for the rest of the week. You know, Monday through Saturday, I live the rest of my life. No. God wants every part of our lives, our eating, sleeping, walking around life. God says, I want it all. And so some of these topics that we don't talk about well, we're going to talk about them because God talks about them. We read about them in the Bible. Now, in our series, I may talk about some issues that will offend you. And please know, that is not my intention. My goal is not to stand up here and say, well, here's what God says, so deal with it. No, we're going to have a conversation we're going to look at what God says about these topics, and then we're humbly asking him to change us from the inside out. Now, I'd like to invite you to take out your notes. If you didn't get one of these programs today, you can get your smartphone out and scan that QR code there on the screen, because I want to invite you to follow along. Actually, if you do scan it, that saves on paper, which is one of the first topics we're talking about. We don't talk about money. Now, I know some of you are cringing right now because you're like, oh, money. Oh, I hate it when they talk about that at church. And really, this year, our economy has been tough. And a lot of us have been going through very difficult times. We're in a recession as a nation. We're experiencing the highest inflation in 40 years. And if you're like me and you're wondering, well, what does that actually mean? It means everything costs more. And we experience that at the grocery store. It costs more to feed your family. 
We feel it at the gas pump when you fill up your truck and it's, oh man, that's expensive. We feel it when we see our PUB bill. I'm paying $100 more this year than I did this same time last year. And when we see this, you know, it's, it's common for us to look for someone to blame. Blame Washington. Blame the government. Blame PUB. But you know, when we're going through tough financial times, even though our first instinct is to point the finger, our first thing we should do is pray. Ask God for help. And this morning, I want to share with you one of my favorite, absolute favorite Bible passages. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Because when I'm worried, when I'm stressed out, this is the passage that I read and I pray about and I think over it because it brings me peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, Don't worry about anything. Any of you here worry about everything? The Bible says, don't worry about anything. Okay, well, what do I do instead? Instead, pray about everything. Now, maybe some of us are like, well, pray about everything? I mean, God is so busy running the universe. Does he really care about what's going on in my life? Yes, he does. He's our father. And like a good parent, he cares about what's going on in the lives of his children. You know, my kids know that I'm going to put food on the table. They don't worry about whether or not there's a roof over their heads. But I still want to hear from them. I want to hear what's going on in their everyday lives. I want to know what's going on at school. What are your needs? What are your wants? What are your desires? Tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. You can say, God, I need a new phone. Mine hardly works anymore. God, I really need a job. I want to be able to provide for my family. Or God, I need a new car. Mine is falling apart. Tell God what you need. And then, and this is key, and thank him for all he has done. Sometimes in the middle of a crisis, I forget about all the good things God has done for me. You know, I'm so, so focused on what I need and on what the financial crisis is right now, I forget God has always taken care of me in the past. I remember this one time, and I distinctly remember this. My, I was driving this used car that was constantly breaking down. And I distinctly remember I was driving on frontage, headed north towards Alton Glure, and I'm driving down the road. My car's been breaking down. It's been acting up on me. And I just said, God, this is your car. I'm your servant. This is your car. It's not even my car. This is your car. Father, please fix it or give me a new one. But God, I'm putting this in your hands. You know, that was probably not the politest prayer I've ever prayed. But it's almost like God was just waiting for me to tell him what I need. I think within a week, my mother-in-law gave me a new used car. A uh, little Ford Escort. God knew what I needed, and he also forced me to learn how to drive stick. You know, and that comes in handy. And I look back at this time, and I remember, God, you've always taken care of me. God, you saw my needs. You answered my prayer. You take care of me. I know you're going to do it again. The Bible continues. Then, 
and I want you to circle this word, then. After you've prayed, after you've expressed your needs, after you've thanked God, then you will experience God's peace. Anybody here need peace today? Man, I do. God says, if you do this, if you pray, if you express your needs, if you thank, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so I think about this verse, and I pray over this verse. And friends, if you're going through a financially difficult time, this is your first step. Pray. Prayer is not this last ditch. You know, the clock is running out. I'm going to throw a Hail Mary pass. Hopefully someone in the end zone catches it. No, prayer is the first thing we do. I want to invite you to join me, and let's pray right now. If you've got a financial need right now, you're in a crisis right now, will you join me in prayer? Let's just talk to God. Father in heaven, you see our worries You see our fears and our doubts. So, Father, we're coming to you right now, and we are humbly asking for your help. And right now, just tell God what you need. Just, you know, quietly under your breath. I don't need to hear you. Between you and God, but tell him what you need. Father, you are a good God. And you have always taken care of us in the past. Take a moment right now and thank God for something he has done for you. If you're having trouble thinking of something, thank God for your life. You're breathing right now. That is a gift from God. God, thank you. Father, please fill us with your peace. Your peace that goes beyond understanding. Father, protect our minds and our hearts today as we live in Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Our first step is to pray. Tell God what you need. Now that's the easy part. Here comes the hard part. Admit your needs to God's people. Admit your needs to God's people. And this part is not fun because we don't want to admit our needs. It is humbling to say, I have a need. Will you help me? And maybe we've even been taught, don't admit you need anything. If someone asks you, how are you doing? You say, I'm fine. Maybe you were even raised, you know, when you go to your relative's house today, don't tell them you're hungry. And if they offer you food, you need to say no at least three times. And you're like, oh, please ask me three times if I want something to eat. I'm starving. (laughs) And this is ingrained in us. Do not ask for help. And maybe we're even afraid. Like, if I tell you my needs, you might judge me. Like, oh, wow, you must have really messed up to be where you are. You really screwed up today. It's humbling to admit our needs, to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. Last week, I shared with you our financial need here at the church. That last month, at the end of the month, we weren't able to pay all of our church staff. 
And the first thing I did was pray. And we prayed together as a team. And I said, God, is there anything in my heart that is blocking you from helping us? And then I admitted our need to you. And that was not fun for me. But if I didn't admit my need, you wouldn't know. So I admitted my need. And that's humbling. But God says, if we humble ourselves, he will bless us. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word grace, underline that, that is God's undeserved gift and mercy. And if we humble ourselves and say, here's my need, and I admit it to God's people, God says, I'll pour out my grace. And you know what? God did meet our needs. Last week, you gave. You gave one of our biggest offerings all year. I want to tell you, all of our bills are paid. All of our staff has been paid. God meets our needs when we humble ourselves and say, God, here's my need. And I talk to God's people and say, God's people, here's what's going on in my life. And you know what? This is nothing new for God's people. Thousands of years ago in the Bible, the church in Jerusalem was suffering and they were starving, and they were poor, and there was a famine in the land. And the church in Greece, it's like from here to California, the church in Greece, they're saying, hey, we've got plenty. We want to give our, to our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so they, they talked to Paul. Paul is a traveling missionary. He traveled with other men for accountability. Uh, and they said, we want to give you this gift. You and these men take this to the church in Jerusalem. So Paul is writing a letter to one of these churches in Corinth, Greece, and he said, right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share it with you when you are in need. See, the people of God, we are meant to take care of each other. This is one of the reasons I encourage you to get connected to a small group. In your program today, we have this flyer. If you're not in a group, this is where we get to know each other, where we pray for each other. Because there's a principle. The more I know you, the more I can help you. Now think about it. If a stranger walks up to you on the street and says, hey, can I have $100 for gas and groceries? You might give them something, but you're going to be really suspicious. Like, I sure hope this money's going to a good place. But if you have someone that you know and love and you've been praying for them for weeks and they say, hey man, here's my need. I need some groceries to feed my kids and you know their kids and you know their names. You're gonna say, hey, as a group, let's all chip in. We are going to help you. And I have seen this happen in our small groups because this is where we get to know each other. You can register. We have a QR code there on the, on the flyer there. We're gonna put it up on the screen too. You can sign up for one of our groups, and then the host will contact you, and they'll let you know, okay, here's when we're going to be meeting together. Get to know each other. This is how we take care of each other as a church. How do we take care of each other? How do we deal with financial crises? Well, first we pray. We tell God. Then we admit our needs, and we admit our needs to God's people. And then, number three, and here's where it gets practical. Make a budget. Plan and make a budget. The Bible gives us this advice. 
know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever. Now, you read about flocks and herds, and it sounds strange to us today. Most of us aren't shepherds or ranchers. But in Bible times, your finances were determined by the size of your sheep your sheep flock, or the size of your herd of cattle. This represented your wealth. In today's language, the Bible might say, know the state of your bank account. Put your heart into caring for your credit card balance. And the best way that we can do that is to budget. Now, I know for some of you, budget is a dirty word. It's like diet. We don't talk about budget. No, no, no. But a budget is simply a plan telling your money where to go. You're keeping track of where is my money coming from, where is it going, and then saying, okay, I'm going to tell my money where to go. You look at last month's expenses. What have I been spending my money on? Here's what Jesus said. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. See, my heart follows my money. So I have to ask, where is my money going? That's where my heart's going. Some of my friends recently, they, uh, she was looking into a budget. She was getting together with her teenage daughter and saying, hey, let's, let's, let's put together a budget. We need to see where's our money going. And they realized most of their money was going to eating out. It's like, there goes my heart. It's going after McDonald's. <laughs> and so they said, okay, we need to be wise. We need to know well the state of our, of our account. So they started buying more groceries, started preparing more meals at home. What's she doing? My friend is saying, I want to know well what God has given me, and I want to be wise with it. And you know, if you have teenage kids, you have older kids, get them involved in this process of budgeting because you're letting them see. When you say, hey, we don't have money for that, they're like, whoa, are, are we about to be kicked out on the street? Are, are we going to starve? No. I'm just saying, here's where our money's going. This money's going for our house. This money's going for our food. This money's going for gas. And so, no, we don't have money for an iPhone or an Xbox. Here's the money we have for fun stuff. And you're getting them involved in the process, teaching them responsibility for money. Be wise. Now, we're going to put a simple uh, budget up on our website. I've got a, we're going to put a code here on the screen. You can download a sample budget, just something to get you started. We got this from Financial Peace University. And maybe some of you are saying, well, I, I really need help. I'm, I'm not financial at all. If on your connection card you'll write, I want help forming a budget, just write in your comment section. There are members of our church who have gone through Financial Peace University who would love to help you see where are my funds coming from, where are they going, and help you make a plan. And we do this as a church. Every year in October, we make a spending plan, a giving plan, a plan, a budget based on here's what we believe God's going to provide, here are all of our expenses, and to the best of our ability, we follow this budget. But you know, sometimes things change. Sometimes the price of things go up. Sometimes our source of income goes down. You know, in this economy, sometimes giving has gone down, and so then we adjust. You make a budget, but you've got to adjust it. Here's what Paul wrote to that same church in Greece. He said, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people, 
on the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So he's saying, hey, when I come, you, you want to give this big gift to Jerusalem? Don't wait till I get there and then see what money you have. He's saying, make a plan. Make a plan. Set aside some each week to give. Friends, when you budget, when you make a plan, plan to give generously. Giving is an act of faith. It's faith to say, God, I'm going to give. I know times are tough, but I'm going to trust you and give. Last week, we had a, uh, several married couples up here just talking about different marriage topics. One of these couples was Julio and Laura Sanchez. Julio wrote me this note, and he gave me permission to share with you. He said, Pastor Bo, I just want to share my experience when you did the invitation to tithe, that's giving 10% of my income, to tithe faithfully at the beginning of the year 2021. He said, one year went by fast. Most of the time, God provided all of our needs. We were in good health all year. We had protection from COVID and had many blessings. I'm not going to lie. It was hard at the beginning. We went through a lot of financial problems, and it was hard to put money in savings. But with time, everything was falling in place. We did some adjustment in our finances, always praying to put God first. What's he saying? He's saying, I want my money. My, money, my heart follows my money. I want my heart to follow after God. He said, now we enjoy and look forward to giving our tithe every month. We're even putting money in savings. And we will continue to be faithful with our tithe. He says, God is good. Thank you for the invitation to be faithful to God. They said times were tough. Things were hard, but he said, we wanted to trust God, and God took care of us. Paul continues in this letter to that church in Greece. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. See, Paul isn't putting pressure on them saying, hey, you guys need to give to the church in Jerusalem. They already said, this is something we want to do. Paul is just reminding them why. Because this is the best thing you can do for yourself. And friends, I'm not going to pressure you to give. I do believe giving is the best thing you can do for yourself. It's good for your heart. But I'm not going to come to you afterwards and say, hey, uh, did you give today? I noticed the basket passed and you didn't put anything in the, you know, are you giving? No, because I don't want you to give under pressure. I don't want you to give with a bad attitude. Because if you do, you don't get any blessings. God loves a cheerful giver. If you give willingly, if you give in faith, saying, God, I'm trusting you're going to take care of me, then here's the promise. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God says, you give and I'll provide. Just like God says, pray and I'll give peace. He says, once you give, if you give first, I'll provide. Last week when I said we didn't have enough to make payroll, I let you know, pay our missionaries first. Pay our charitable organizations first. And I told our team, pay me last. 
Because that's the principle. Give and God provides. When we give first, God takes care of us. And he did. When we're in a tough financial situation, pray. First pray. Admit your need to God's people. Make a plan. Budget. Give generously. And then, number five, vote wisely. And I know some of you are thinking, can he say that in church? <laughs> yes. I praise God we live in a country that has freedom of speech. And we live in a country that has given us this great privilege to vote for those in power. You see, for thousands and thousands of years, people did not have that freedom. You know, whoever was in control was whatever king or warlord just happened to take the power or maybe passed it on to his son, and you hope that's a good guy. But we have the freedom to vote for those in authority over us. Now, you're wondering, what does this have to do with money? Well, just like I said, we can't blame all our money problems on the government. We also have to recognize they are responsible for some of our problems. Last, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I met one of our congresswomen, and she shared this with me. She said, when you vote for your congressman, it is not a lifetime appointment. She said, it is a two-year trial period. She says, if in two years you don't like the job I'm doing, fire me. Vote for someone else. We have the power to do that. Here's what the Bible says. When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. And as Americans, God has given us the power to choose those who are in authority over us. Every couple of years, we get to choose who's going to Washington for us, who will represent us in Austin, who will speak on behalf of our people here in our city. Use that power. Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, October 11th, is the last day you can register to vote in our upcoming election. So register. If you're not registered to vote, register. I want to make this as easy as possible. We have a group here from Bienvenido. They're right back there in the corner. This is an organization that is dedicated. It's nonpartisan. They're dedicated to getting the church, God's people, specifically our Hispanic Christian culture, to vote. And if you are not registered to vote, go see that young lady back there, and she will register you to vote. You do need your driver's license or some form of ID. You need to be at least 18 years old, and you do have to be a U.S. citizen. Now, for our friends watching online, go to vote.gov and register today because we have the power to choose. See, if you do not vote, you don't have the freedom to complain. You lose that right to complain because you didn't participate. If come November, you're like, Pastor, things are so tough. The economy is so bad. I'm going to ask you, well, did you vote? Nah, I didn't have time. Well, you can't complain because you didn't participate. Friends, use the gift God has given us. But there is one more thing. You have to put your life in God's hands. Because while we can vote and we can plan and we can budget, ultimately everything is in God's control. God controls the government. God controls the economy. God controls the weather. God controls our health. God is in control of everything. So put your life in God's hands. 
King Solomon was one of the wisest kings who ever lived, and he prayed this amazing prayer to God. He said, everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. He's not saying, I'm in charge, I'm the king. He says, no, this is yours. And we adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. And then he said this, everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Even when we give, it's only what God has already given us. Everything belongs to God. So will you trust him with everything? Remember what Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. See, the truth is God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. He wants your heart. Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? Well, that's your first step today. If you've never given Jesus control of your heart, why don't you do that right now? Just talk to him right now. Just tell him, Jesus, I need you. Just tell him that. Jesus, I need you. And say, please, come into my heart. Take control. You're saying, Jesus, my heart belongs to you. You want my heart? Take it. Take control. Say, Jesus, I'm putting my life in your hands. Just tell him that right now. Jesus, take control. You can say it just under your breath. You can say it wherever you are at home. Jesus, take control. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that today, you are a child of God. You've been adopted into God's family. So if you have a need today, share that with God's people. And your connection card, this is your next step. I'm going to admit my needs to God's people. And if you have a pressing need, a prayer request, let us know. Share your prayer request with us on your connection card. But you need to get connected to God's people. The more we know you, the more we can help you, the more we can help each other. So maybe say, I want to join a BCF small group. And I shared with you how you can sign up on your on this program here today. If you're here in person, stop by our table there at the back. We'd love to talk with you. Maybe if you don't know which group to join, just mark on your connection card. I want to join a group. We'll get in touch with you. We'll help you get connected. But remember, there's an act of faith that says, God, I'm going to give. Will you trust God and say, I will start giving faith generously in faith. God, I'm trusting you. In a moment, our ushers will pass the offering baskets you can give through your offering envelope. You can also give online at bcfchurch.com or give through your church center app. That's how I give, but it's an act of faith. And then finally, say, I will vote wisely in November. And if you're not registered to vote or you're not sure, am I registered to vote, stop by that table there in the back. Our friends from Bienvenida would love to help you. They can even let you know, hey, here's where to vote on election day. But say, I'm going to use the gift God has given me. And during this next song, during our time of giving, as you give, 
take this time to say, Jesus, this is my heart. This is my act of faith. As I give, I'm saying, Jesus, here's my heart. Take control. Jesus, I'm running to you today. Let's do that right now.